Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where entrepreneurs just like you learn to level up in life, love, and business. My name is David Ubina, your host. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast starts right now. When when I first started in sales, I was still, still attending college and I wanted to make some extra money. You know, beer money, let's call it, okay? <laughs> and I answered an ad in the newspaper. Okay, this was a long time ago. And it was an ad, it was, it was a sales job, strictly 100% commission, go out and knock on doors uh, to drum up some more business for the local cable television company. Now, cable television back in that time was like IT is today. Mm. And uh, I, I went and applied for the job, ended up landing the job. I loved it because I had that freedom of being able to work as much or as little as I wanted. I didn't get paid, of course, unless I closed deals. So I went out and knocked on a bunch of doors and I was doing pretty well after a couple of months. And then there was about two, maybe three days in a row, I can't remember, that I didn't produce much and didn't make much money. And I felt like I was really working hard. Now, like most sales jobs, there was zero, zero training in this job. Mm. Uh, I remember uh, Mark was his name. He was the sales and marketing manager. And Mark would just say, go knock on more doors. Hey guys, David Ubita here, host of the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Hey, just a really quick word to those of you who are entrepreneurs just like me, business owners or an executive uh, looking to generate more business on the LinkedIn platform. I want you to take a look at our free training uh, showing you how we generate over 250 B2B clients for our business. Now, our proven SAG strategy, well, it turns clicks into calls and calls into clients without spending a ton of time blogging or spending a small fortune on ads. For more details, go to mrdu.com. That's www.mrdeu.com. And I've got my man, Patrick Ryan, from Eureka Performance Training here with us today. And he just so happens to be, uh, in my humble opinion, a sales guru. And I know sales can be a little bit of a negative word, uh, depending on who you ask. But for those of us who understand the opportunity that sales actually is, it's actually a pretty, uh, pretty cool, th- uh, you know, pretty cool thing. So, Patrick, say hello to the audience. Hello, audience, and hello, David. I'm happy to be here. Awesome to have you, my man. And I wanted you to come on because you've had some, we've had some great conversations. And one of the things that I've meant, uh, that I've noticed, I should say, is that you have this insight into sales, but as I was listening to some of your story, it, it really resonated with me. And it was like, you know, wait a minute, our audience would benefit from hearing a little bit more about how you got into the sales game per se, because again, the word sales can be a, a, a bad word and, you know, people run from it. They, they kind of equate sales with like speaking in front of a platform, right? In front of an audience is almost like death, right? So most people <laughs> shy away from that. But you have this 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 strategy that we'll dive into this this um, this uh, proprietary strategy that we'll talk about in a bit. But share with your share with our audience a little bit about your story on just how you got started and a little bit about uh, also if you would include that I think it's that the phone book story something like that right Oh yeah yeah okay well well and thank you David that's a great question when when I first started in sales. I was still still attending college and I wanted to make some extra money, you know, beer money, let's call it. Okay. <laughs> and I answered an ad in the newspaper. Okay. This was a long time ago. And it was an ad. It was, it was a sales job, strictly 100% commission to go out and knock on doors 
to drum up some more business for the local cable television company. Now, cable television back in that time was like IT is today. Mm. And uh, I, I went and applied for the job, ended up landing the job. I loved it because I had that freedom of being able to work as much or as little as I wanted. I didn't get paid, of course, unless I closed deals. So I went out and knocked on a bunch of doors and I was doing pretty well after a couple of months. And then there was about two, maybe three days in a row, I can't remember, that I didn't produce much and didn't make much money. And I felt like I was really working hard. Now, like most sales jobs, there was zero, zero training in this job. Mm. Uh, I remember uh, Mark was his name. He was the sales and marketing manager. And Mark would just say, go knock on more doors. Okay. <laughs> As we all know, once you're in sales for a while, that's not the answer to increasing your income. So I was a little upset and I could tell that my mind and my mental attitude just really wasn't, it wasn't inspired by coming home and really not having much money to show for it. And so I knew I needed to change my attitude that next day when I was going to go out and knock on doors. And, and I got up the next morning, I thought to myself, you know, I'd taken economics, both macro and microeconomics in college. And I knew there's supposed to be buying patterns, right? There's, there's formula to buying patterns in everything that humans buy. That's what economics tells us. So I'm thinking, well, what's the buying pattern here? The only thing I could track was how many times I knocked on a door. Hmm. And or how many doors I knocked on, I should say. <clears throat> so I went out and I just started, took a clipboard with me, just started marking down, just put a scratch mark on a piece of paper for every door I knocked on. And after a week or two, I started looking back at the sales I made knocking on those doors. And I thought, well, there's an average here. There's got to be an average. And lo and behold, after several months of tracking this, the average was 84 cents per door. Hmm. Some days I'd make $1.50 and some days I make 35 cents per door but it averaged 84 cents a door. And guess what happened to my mindset? It totally changed. I'm thinking, I don't even care if anybody answers the door. The more doors I knock on, the, I'm gonna make 84 cents whether somebody answers the door or not. It made no difference to me. Law and of so averages. That, yeah, there's a law of averages. It just changed my whole mindset to go out and be happy about knocking on doors instead of disgruntled and, oh man, what a grind this is. And that was my aha moment early in my career where I thought, you know, there is a pattern to every sales that if we track those key performance indicators, and for me at the time it was simply knocking on a door, then we knew that you're going to be successful. So the, the next step was very simple. I decided I want to make more money for every door I knock on. And I thought to myself, well, how am I going to do that? Well, you can't knock on more doors and make more money. You make more money, but it's, the law of average is going to be 84 cents. What I knew is that I needed to change what I said when somebody did answer the door. Ah. I needed to be better at that conversation. How do I present myself? How do I present this, the services? How, how do I ask questions with them to get them to reveal information to me that would be beneficial to both myself to make more money and make more sales, but also beneficial to them to service them with a good product. Makes total sense. I love it. Yes. Yes. Well, after college, one of my good friends uh, went into the real estate business and uh, he suggested and eventually convinced me that I should do the same. And I go, I, I got hired by a company again, hundred percent commission. And I walked in and Colin was the, was the sales manager's name. And he says, 
okay, Patrick, welcome aboard. Glad you're here. Uh, filled out all the documents that we had to. He goes, well, let me go show you your desk. So we walk through the, all the big bullpen, right, of salespeople. And we get kind of towards the back. <clears throat> and he says, okay, here's your desk. There's a telephone. There's a telephone book. Good luck. And that was my training. I thought, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I, many of our audience could relate to that. <laughs> well, I can imagine. I, I think it's gotten better over the years because this was a long time ago. However, it hasn't improved much. And, you know, if we keep in mind that if, if you're a business student, for instance, you're, you're going to study finance, you're going to study accounting, you're going to study HR, you're going to study management, you're going to study administration, you're going to study marketing. You're probably even going to study some business law in there. There's going to be all kinds of uh, uh, adjuncts to that, but there's no sales or sales management. How do you build a sales team? How do you sell? How do you train and coach and lift up a sales team? Now, recently I've heard there's are a couple of universities that are teaching sales and sales management, but I mean a couple in the United States. And I hear there's over 3000 schools. I know when I taught at the university level, that wasn't, uh, and it was one of the bigger universities uh, that wasn't necessarily a module that was included in the curriculum. No, there, there might be a class. In fact, when I was in high school, I took salesmanship. There was, it was a two semester class. And then the next year, I think I took merchandising and that was a two semester class. Those are the only two business classes in my high school. So let's go I'm ahead like, and talk a, a little bit about um, just because I, you just, you triggered something, a memory for me, because I remember now early on, uh, in some of my earlier sales um, jobs, et cetera, they throw a book at you or they, they say, hey, read this. Or in, 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 I remember also being told, hey, you're going to go to the door, door to door and sell these little, you know, these knickknacks. Mm -hmm. And they would have a rah, rah, rah meeting in the morning. This yeah. is our goal. And we'll see you when you get back. <laughs> but outside of that, there was like zero training. I, it was so freaking frustrating because you know, my intention was, hey, I, I do want to do well in this position. At the same time, I also want to make money to be able to, you know, provide for myself at the time. And uh, walk us through a little bit about your experience. And, you know, I, I'm sure that was pretty frustrating for you as well. And, and how did you handle that? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> One of the ways I handled it, I, I called my friend who had who had helped me make the decision to get into the real estate market and real estate business. I said, um, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> well, how did you get started? What were some of the things you did? So he was my mentor. And luckily, I had a mentor, um, uh, interestingly enough, because I did earn the Rookie of the Year award. Nice. Uh, at, yeah, at that, at that business. Um, and it was between the entire, I think there were seven offices. So it wasn't just my office. It was between the entire company. Uh, so that made me proud. Um, but I had a mentor. And that mentor was good. Very good. He's a, he was he was a natural born salesperson, mm. and there are natural born salespeople. However, I, I don't know what the ratio is, but I bet you it's below five percent of the population. Yeah, maybe even less. Uh, maybe I, I'm guessing it's less, but uh, again, I don't I don't even know how I'd measure or how I'd find that statistic. What do you say to folks who who actually agree that? You either either got it or you don't, because um, part of me says, you know, there may be some truth to that. But then there's the other part of me that says, uh, if you are willing to work at it, 
you'll be, you know, you'll be able to develop that, those skills, that, that skill set. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of people believe that you have to be an extrovert to be a good salesperson. And, and that's not true. I know many introverts that are socially curious, maybe not so, and, and socially comfortable that are fantastic salespeople. And, top, and some of them are even top in their field. Um, but to get a, more clarity about what you're asking or to help the audience understand, you know, you're asking me, what can you do if you decide that this, the, this is the career for you and yet you aren't that natural born salesperson? Well, one of the best things you can do is either hire a coach or go to work for a company who has got a very strong sales system and process in place where they can follow the steps of the sale and be able to close deals uh, relatively easily with a follow by following a process. It's it's not that difficult. In fact, in fact, it's quite easy to tell you the truth. It takes time. It takes time to develop. But it does require a system. And let's talk a little bit about the system that you created uh, that's helped uh, numerous salespeople uh, really step up their game. And perhaps there's someone right now listening to the podcast who is in the sales piece. And let me tell you something. There are those of us who understand that the moment we wake up, we are, we're automatically involuntarily placed into a sales role, uh, whether it be trying to sell your kids to get up and go to school, whether it's telling the dog, hey, take a poop outside, not inside. That's a sales <laughs> job, right? Or telling your spouse that, hey, it's a golf game, babe. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a or, or whether it be at work or whether everything we do involves some Yes. You know, some measurement uh, of, of sales. And yes. I think, you know, because of bad experiences, we, we tend to uh, label everyone in a sales role or consultant role as a bad guy or a bad girl. You just have to take something from me. Right. Whereas the, those of us who are in the service role, the, it starts with the same letter S and S sales yes. versus serving. Right. But we know that in a service capacity, we're here to, you know, get something to them, get them a res- get a result to them that they don't currently have, and uh, that's a different way of looking at, at sales per se. It eliminates the negativity in a sense. Yeah. Um, but I love your approach when it comes to the whole sales piece, man. And I know. Um, the majority of our listeners are entrepreneurs. And if you're an entrepreneur, whether you're the CEO or you're, you know, cleaning the floors, whatever the case is, uh, there is a, something in terms of sales, you're required to sell something. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell uh, someone listening to our podcast right now? That's like, man, I'm not going to meet my quota. And, uh, you know, I just don't have the support or I just, uh, I don't really know what to do next. I'm feeling burnt out. What's some advice uh, maybe a life hack, if you will, that you could share with them. Well, uh, you know, you, you and I were talking the other day and you mentioned, you know, the only thing we can control is ourselves. Oh, I'm sorry. How embarrassing. That's all good. <laughs> sorry. I didn't even realize this was on. Let me turn it off. No worries, my man. Anyway, uh, so what would I, well, first of all, even professional golfers, professional baseball players, even professionals at the highest level, and it sounds like you know a few of those professionals personally, they all have coaches. Yep. The best thing you can do in life is invest money in yourself. Invest money, time, education in yourself. Because again, 
this is all you can control is just you. Getting to what you're talking about sales and sales having that bad rap. Well, there's a lot of industries that have bad raps, like attorneys, for instance. Mm-hmm. So do, do some salespeople, uh, and I, I wouldn't say this is a majority at all, but do some salespeople give a sales a bad name or salespeople bad names? Yes, they give them that bad reputation because they are trying to push things onto somebody. And uh, that is actually the sales arena that I don't really focus that much attention on because when people are trying to push something on you, that's more of a transactional type of sale. I remember when I was a kid, somebody knocked on our door and they were selling encyclopedias. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, did my parents need encyclopedias? No, but they thought this would be a great way for their kids to get an education, to be able to look up information. And my father was, he, he loved to research. So he would actually read encyclopedias and do research on it. Now he passed away about four years ago and he was almost 98 when he passed away. Wow. And I've got, I, yeah, I've gotten him a small tablet so he could get on the internet. And he would say to me, well, what if I want to, cause he loves sailing ships. He goes, what, what, what if I wanted to look up sailing ships? I go punch in sailing ships. Oh my gosh. He was so intrigued. He had thousands of sailing ships and he's flipping through this going, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> but my point being is that getting back to transactional, transactional salespeople used car salespeople. That's probably the, that's probably the, stigma that really sits in most people's craw where they just, ah, I don't want to go buy a car. I have to talk to a salesperson. You know, that's a transactional deal. So there's going to be a little push there because they have a quota to meet, right? So my program that I've designed is is designed to build trust. And it's, it's ideal for business to business sales because when I sell something to a business, they're going to use that over and over and over again. They may be, I, I may sell them a part that's this big, but they're building a big widget. Well, if I do a, if, if my company or myself does not do a good job delivering that product, delivering the service as the way it's supposed to be, a certain quality level, a certain size on time delivery, then they won't be able to put it in production and won't be able to deliver it to their customers. So guess what? We're out. Hmm. So we have to build a relationship and when we're building relationships out there, especially on the first discovery type of call where where I'm going to sit down in front of you and I need to build your trust so that I can really learn what's going on in your situation. And if you have an issue or a need that I can resolve. So you mentioned service. Yes, sales and service are the same, has starts with the same letter and really sales, good salespeople are great at providing service and value. Yep. So the program that I've developed has to do with how do we have a high level conversation with this person so that we can drill down to really what's going on. We can break down the barrier that sits between the salesperson and the prospect. And oftentimes that, that prospect already has that service. So how are you going to beat out an incumbent and build trust in 15 minutes and be able to replace the incumbent because your product doesn't necessarily has to be bigger, better, better, bolder, but because you're better at delivering on time or you're better at delivering a service or the prospect trusts you. Mm. Yeah, trust is such a, I mean, innately, right? We have the fight or flight, uh, by de- we're fight or flight by design. At least that's how the brain works. And everything 
tends to trigger a, a trust mechanism of some sort, uh, especially uh, this day and age, right? When you have so many people trying to get your attention. Yes. Um, what, what are, what's one of the, uh, your program, I know we've discussed it a little bit more in depth, um, and I really want our listeners to uh, to schedule a call with you and learn more about what you have to offer because I've seen firsthand that this is legit. Uh, yeah. in, every business has four components, right? You've got your lead gen, you've got your sales department, you've got your uh, fulfillment center or you know product service fulfillment, and then you've got customer support. And so you're coming in and you're providing the really the essential. Uh, service or the the essential education here mm -hmm. uh, to help increase the level of sales service ship in a sense mm -hmm. uh, to increase revenue. I mean, that is because it's one thing to generate leads, but um, which is something our business does. Right. But the quality of those leads, I remember when I first started, I was like, if I just have a hundred leads, no, <laughs> how about if you just have, 30 qualified yes. leads versus a hundred, right? Which is, you know, what we've gotten really good at, but then you're coming in and saying, Hey, when we actually have that call with that prospect, mm -hmm. how do you engage them and serve them authentically and serve them in a way that's going to benefit them regardless of the outcome. And of course, you know, as a business, we're looking to take on clients. Sure. But at the same time, um, if it's not a good fit, it isn't. It isn't a good fit. That's right. That's right. Well, I I define a sale as a transfer of trust. Hmm. I'm writing that down. Hold on a sec. Yeah. So the definition of a sale is a transfer of trust. Somebody somebody at a company, whether it's procurement, whether it is uh, IT manager, whether it is the CFO, whether it's the office manager or the CEO, uh, if you do not build the trust, if you cannot transfer trust to them in yourself, if you cannot instill that in your prospect, the prospect's not going to buy from you. What my program did when I designed it in 2014 and, and rolled it out to teams in 2015, what it was designed to do was actually just to create a path for the salespeople to follow so that they can control the conversation. Well, I can't tell you how many times in my sales career, a sales manager would say, well, you just got to take control of that conversation. Yeah, I hear that all right. the time. Yeah. How do I do that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you just got to take control. Okay, well. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> when, I, when I was out in the field with salespeople, I could see that they had no control. And so I really, I, I really needed to, I, I felt compelled to my clients that I need to resolve this. And I was hearing it not just from one client, it was from several salespeople at different industries in different parts of the country and in at, at different levels. Some of them were very, very seasoned and some of them were fairly new. And I knew that if I developed this, this would be the the, the holy grail moment that I found something that is actually going to work. Well, it's a long story and I won't bore our audience with how I developed this, but it was a combination of NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. It was a combination of a couples counseling. I, I, I was married many years ago and we, we finished our marriage uh, with a breakup and we had had many couples counselings. Uh, it was a combination of a friend of mine just telling me um, that, that, true love has to do with empathy. 
And so I put together the conversation flow, which is about 10 steps, total of 10 steps. It can be reduced down to about seven, depending on the industry and the type of sale that you're making or, or how long that uh, sales cycle is. But it's designed really just to control the conversation and to get to the truth of what's going on. So it breaks down the barrier, that protective barrier that our subconscious mind has, because it doesn't want to embarrass, I, I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of this person I don't know. I'm not going to expose my whole identity. I'm not going to be vulnerable. So they tell what happens is that prospect tells you little pieces of what's going on. Well, that gives you almost zero ammunition to solve a problem. So I knew that we had to line up a, a, a form of questioning that would open up the prospect's subconscious mind. And they would tell you the truth and they would lay it on the table and they would do it happily. They would do it knowing that you cared so much about my situation, you wanted to learn and understand everything that's going on. It sounds like with this type of training that I, if I'm starting off as a salesperson, I wouldn't really be as nervous um, and or feel as under, as underprepared because you're right. The trust issue is huge. Yes. But what you're saying is that your strategy helps salespeople feel more confident mm -hmm. and they actually have a an actual structure or step-by-step uh, -step guide on how to actually navigate through this conversation. Is that correct? That's absolutely it. That's I absolutely love it. it. I love it. Yes. Well, what I didn't realize, David, is that the program, while it was designed to be able to get to the truth, what I didn't realize is how well it, it, how well and how quickly it built trust between that prospect and the salesperson. And as a result, my teams have had, they're, they're flourishing, let's just say. And whether they're young teams or old teams, um, I, can teach, I can teach anybody how to do this. It's not that difficult. Let me put it this way. It's simple but it's not simplistic. It's actually, when you look at the back end of it, the science behind it, and by the way, I'm not a psychologist. I did take some psychology classes. I'm more of a, I'm more of a humanist. I have a, I have a degree in humanity in the sense of how people react and how people uh, respond to certain things, whether it's negative or positive. And as a result of that, I've been able to create this conversation flow and then and try it out. I didn't even know if it was going to work. I thought it would work just because of what I knew about the brain and, and the subconscious mind and NLP and repeating back what you hear, like you do at couples counseling, and then finding empathy, finding the opportunity to empathize with the, with the prospect when you really learn the truth. So I was after the truth. I was after controlling the conversation. And what it ended up with, it, the conversation flow, even if you do it fairly well, you don't have to do it perfect. But if you can control the conversation with the conversation flow, you will gain trust through care and understanding. Patrick, thank you so much for sharing your insight. I mean, again, I'm blown away by what you're sharing here. Hey, guys, if you're watching this uh, podcast interview and you find yourself or your team in a very similar situation that Patrick has just described where uh, your sales team could perhaps use some more training, um, perhaps they're underperforming and you guys are looking for a legitimate strategy to help your team get to that next level and really start, uh, you know, really functioning on all cylinders, then you're going to see a green button below, an invitation. That button's going to say conversation flow consult. It's free. I want you to click a, a book a time with Patrick and see if uh, you guys can 
can work together or, or see if Patrick can help you maybe even on the call resolve maybe a, a challenge that, that you're facing right now. But what I want you to do here is to remember that you're watching this and it's not an accident. Okay. Everything happens for a reason. And I want to encourage you to book a call with Patrick below. My name is David Ubita. Thank you for joining us today here on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Hey guys, David Ubita here, host of the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Hey, just a really quick word to those of you who are entrepreneurs just like me, business owners or an executive uh, looking to generate more business on the LinkedIn platform. I want you to take a look at our free training uh, showing you how we generate over 250 B2B clients for our business. Now, our proven SAG strategy, well, it turns clicks into calls and calls into clients without spending a ton of time blogging or spending a small fortune on ads. For more details, go to mrdeu.com. That's www.mrdeu.com. Was that a great episode or what? Patrick Ryan, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today on the podcast. Guys, one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation and I found myself literally writing notes was the exchange of trust. Sales is an exchange of trust. And uh, I'm sure that as you listen to this podcast, this particular episode, uh, more than once, you'll even uh, find yourself writing more notes, right? That's that's what that's what's been going on with me here. And uh, Patrick knows his stuff. And no wonder he's able to get the results that he does get for his clients. I mean, think about it. A hundred over a hundred percent, one hundred fifty-six percent, I believe it was. Uh, that's that's the uh, the norm for for him, right? Uh, and his clients, because he literally shows his teams, he shows his clients, uh, their sales teams, how to literally facilitate and master a, a productive conversation flow, a productive conversation that's going to lead to a sale, a conversion. And uh, I tell you what, I, I really have enjoyed this particular episode, uh, learning from from Patrick and, and and having other conversations with Patrick has been really uh, beneficial to me and to, to what I'm doing here at MRDU Global Media. All right, guys, if you really enjoy this con uh, this conversation, this particular episode, a couple of things I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, I'm going to ask you to like our Facebook page, our official Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs Facebook page. Uh, give that a like and then also like this particular episode and share your thoughts on the episode uh, comment uh, on the post below and uh, share what your takeaway was i will go ahead and, and, and review those and answer those uh, and uh, it, it's always great to hear from our fans and from our fellow life hackers who uh, we do this episode for right we want to assist entrepreneurs and help them scale up in life love and business right so uh, in addition to that, if you enjoyed this conversation, this particular podcast, share this with someone else that uh, this might also inspire because that's that's what it's all about. We want to share the wealth in a sense, uh, especially in these really difficult times, guys. So on that note, uh, thanks again for joining us here today on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. This is David Ubita, your host. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give.